This is News Talk 980 CKNW. What's the most shameful thing millennials do in their marriages to their spouses? The answer might surprise you, but I'm going to let you know just exactly what it is tonight here on the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW, the show where we educate everyone about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. The show is more than a sex show, but I am trying to seduce you to listen to information about health, love, relationships, and your body. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, author of the book Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other, researcher, blogger, clinician, TED speaker, and your resource to help start that conversation, answer your questions, and help you discover new and exciting things about yourself, your love life, your sexuality, your health, and your relationship. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and certainly no apologies. Just fearless, straight-up talk about sex, love, and health. Let's hope for you it will be illuminating, educational, get you thinking outside of the box. So please stay with me, but do put the kitties to bed. We are going to be talking about some sensitive subjects. Of course, there is one in particular. There's an aspect of sexual health that is dark. And dreadful, and that is sexual abuse, any unwanted sexual advances, pedophilia, and rape. Of course, for those of you who've been sexually abused, you're never far from my heart. I keep you in my thoughts and prayers and wish you all the best on your healing journey. Good evening, Matt. How are you? I'm fantastic today, actually. How about oh, yourself? I am fabulous myself. Thank you for asking. Yes, what a gorgeous day, huh? You know what? It's amazing what a little rain will do to you when you are absolutely <laughs> parched. Never saw much rain, I have to be honest. And I was up fairly early, a couple of drops. That was all. Oh, last night when I heard it, I like it wasn't until I got home from work. I was so excited. I'm like, oh, Hamish, let's go outside. It's raining. Of course, he goes out, has a pee. He's like, nah, Matt. Hamish I'm is not, the dog. Let's yeah, <laughs> he's the dog. Not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's make that clear. Well, but I mean, and then last night I slept with my blanket, my duvet for the first time in three weeks. Oh, wow. That was a big, yeah. that's a big thing for me. Big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I actually put some clothes on last night myself too. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, for once, uh, I hope those kids are in bed. Um, but anyway, we have, uh, uh, I think, hopefully an interesting show this evening. Lots of subjects to cover. I've had tons and tons of emails, so I'm going to be talking about about those emails. Um, I, I want to say that exercise is so important. And I'm involved in this Facebook group of, you know, uh, it's a private Facebook group of about, I think it's about 50 women and one man that's involved in it. And it's about 30 minutes of exercise a day. So you've got to get in your, you know, baseline of 30 minutes and you can do anything, anything you like that is active and uh, gets the heart rate going and the blood flowing, uh, which is always helpful for your sex life. And so today, I, I, I think we're on about day 21 or day 22. It's 30 for 30. And so 30 minutes of activity for 30 days. So today I did, you know, sometimes you think, oh, I haven't done anything. What am I going to do? Even just get out and walk the dog. But it does motivate you to keep that exercise going, which is so important for your mental health, for your physical health, for your sexual health, for your relationships. I cannot under, I cannot overstate just how important this is. But anyway, today I did a 40 minute bike ride. Uh, uh, over to a good friend who um, whose husband recently has been diagnosed with with cancer, and I'm you know just so upset about it because great guy, uh, completely l- engaged in life, just loves life. He's a big sailor. He was sailing all through the islands, and he was sick, and uh, and that didn't stop him at all. Um, and I said, oh, you know, it's just such a shame that uh, he has this because 
you know, he's so he's so engaged in life. He's so optimistic. He's just a great guy. And he has a great sense of humor. And my friend said, well, he hasn't lost his sense of humor, which is so good as well, because there's nothing worse than a patient without a sense of humor. <laughs> but uh, anyway, wishing him all the best. So I did. Uh, then I went on a long walk with her. Uh, so probably another 45 minutes to an hour. And then I did a 30-minute swim. So uh, I'm a little tired tonight, but I will sleep well. But I did three. I had a little threesome today, and that was, <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And it, uh, it was all about the exercise. I read a really interesting article just yesterday. It was David Suzuki saying, if there was a pill that could prevent cancer, obesity, diabetes, would you take it? He's like, well, you know what? We actually have that pill. It's called riding your bike. And all you have to do is ride it for 30 minutes a day. And it could eliminate a lot of those problems. You know, it helps a lot of those things. I, I, I'm loath to say that, uh, or very cautious to say that it would uh, help to prevent cancer necessarily. Because in, in my friend in particular, extremely active, very physically active, you know, um, every, every single day. And so, you know, maybe, maybe not, you know, genetics. But it, it certainly does reduce risk for sure. And, you know, bike riding, swimming, walking, uh, climb, mountain climbing, rock climbing, uh, anything is it's just so good and we're, we're more sedentary than we ever were in you know hundreds of years ago when we used to gather food and 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 fight for our lives and so we're we're living that sedentary life and um and that's not necessarily akin to a happy life and so get out there everyone i know that has solid mental health makes sure that they exercise every single day uh, i was talking to uh, when i was swimming a friend of mine was on a paddle board oops and she was saying that uh she said she has to exercise every single day to, you know, to sleep well and to have good mental health. So, and that equates to your relationships and sexuality and sexual health. You're going to get it more if you're <laughs> in a good mood. Like, it's like, I mean, it's seriously a no-brainer there. Um, but anyway, I also want to wish uh, another listener to the show. She's getting married tomorrow in Hawaii. So, oh, uh, awesome. She's certainly, um, anyway, w- wishing them all the best as they walk down the aisle. Of course, I had a few thousand words of wisdom more than before they do because, you know, there's so many people in sexless marriages, many people in un- with unresolved conflict in their marriage, many people with troubles that they don't know how to deal with. And one of those is um, one that the millennials are, you know, picking up on pretty early on in their marriage. So I'm going to be talking about that tonight. What is the most shameful thing that millennials do in their marriage? I don't think they're the first one, group that has ever done this before. Um, I'm going to be talking about that. Also going to be talking about love bombing. What is love bombing? Any idea what love bombing is? We've heard of ghosting. We know ghosting is, of course, you're into somebody and you're connect, you know, texting with them, connecting, and then all of a sudden and thinking it's going to go somewhere or dating them, and then all of a sudden they just fall off the face of the planet. I mean, my I know what ghosting is. I've been ghosted. It's not fun. Um, I ghosting's been around for a long time. I think it's just the digital term for it. love bombing. Is that like when you are out having a dance with your significant other, and I go, "Oh, she's really pretty. I'd like to take her out for a dance." Is that what a love bomb is? Absolutely not. No, that's not what it is. All right, I tried. <laughs> but that's a great guess, I have to say. Well, stay with me. And uh, if you, of course, know what love bombing is, or if it's happened to you, give us a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Um, it's not benching. Benching is kind of like a plan B, putting somebody on the on the bench, uh, just in case somebody else better comes along. But um, yeah, love bombing, you'll be interested uh, to know what that is. 
Um, and, you know, I have a clinical practice in North Vancouver. I see lots of patients. There are things that I can do to help you, and there are things that I cannot do. Like, I can't predict whether your marriage will last or not. Um, so there are certain things. I'm going to review some of those things that you uh, might get out of your marriage counselor, sex therapist, or person who is advising you on your relationship. Um, so we're talking about that as well. Um, and some bad habits, bad habits that people have in their relationships that, um, you know, of course, some bad habits are good habits. Anyway, <laughs> I know someone who has a bad habit and it's actually a really nice bad habit. But anyway, uh, I digress. Um, I've had a lot of fun <laughs> with that bad habit. Um, anyhow, uh, let's get back to it. So we're going to talk about some of the bad habits you have in your relationship that you really need to break or bad habits that you have as a person trying to enter a relationship that you need, need to break in order to find love, in order to find a good and healthy relationship. Talking lots about relationships tonight. Um, also wanted to, uh, any idea, Matt, uh, men who marry... Women from a particular profession are the happiness, are the happiness, happiest, sorry. I've been on vacation too long. Any? <laughs> I'm any, just trying to think of who I'd be happy to marry. What would, um, yo, man. This particular profession. Yeah. And there's a reason. I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that one. Yeah, think about that. Well, I'm going to review what profession you should go after. And there are lots of them around. Okay, that's another hint. Loads and loads of women from this particular profession. Uh, anyway, so that's something else. And then also I had a patient in my clinical practice return one year later after she had come to see me a year ago. Uh, and she brought something with her. <laughs> she brought someone with her. Anyway, she thought her love life was over. She thought she had no hope for love. I gave her a little advice and she came back and she's been in a, rela- in a relationship for about the last four months. Of course, not without troubles. I never promised you a a rose garden. I never promised you that you could have a a relationship, but it may not have issues because we're human beings and we have issues. It's, you know, it's just, that's, that's what happens. You know, nobody's perfect. And, and it's not about getting to perfection. It's about progress. And so think about that in your relationship. It is progress, not perfection. And so if things are getting a little better, you know, that's a great sign. And that is certainly good. Anyway, I've had lots of uh, emails from mostly from people who have seen the TEDx talk, which has had close to five and a half million views. (laughs) Unreal. I know it is actually kind of unreal. I think they're probably uh, who knows why they're why they're watching it. But lots of interesting questions it has sparked or situations or people realizing they're in particular situations. So I'm going to re- be reviewing those emails and um, and lots of other uh, subjects coming up on the show. We're going to go to break in a minute. Um, but if you want to give us a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell, you can always email me, sextalk at cknw.com. The struggle is real. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath here hosting this program for you. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. Hopefully you've put the children to bed, but this subject is not uh, is not the most... Uh, <laughs> it's actually kind of a happy subject. It's not a bad subject. It might be giving your children some advice at a very young age who they should marry uh, because men who marry this particular people or women from this particular profession and probably men from this particular profession as well. There's just a whole lot more women in this profession than there are men. Um, 
end up being the happiest. Still no guess, Matt? No uh, idea? No, I... Can I give you a hint? I, I just hope you're not going to say it's a teacher like my ex, because <laughs> that didn't work out so well for me. This is not always about you, Matt. Sometimes it's about me. <laughs> you sound like my roommate. <laughs> it's... I said, does your roommate say, sometimes it's about me? This is about me. <laughs> Men who marry nurses end up the happiest. I was, you know what? Oh, I, yeah, when right. you, I've got a lot of friends that are nurses, and you say there's a lot of them. And so, like, that, that did come through my mind, but. Yeah, but you know what? You passed over the nurses. What can I say? But nurses are, uh, you know, it's, this is difficult for me to talk about because, of course, I am a nurse. But you know what? I, I'm not this, I'm not the special breed of, of a person who embodies well, I do actually embody a little bit of tough and loving. I have to say, I am, I am firm, I am, uh, but also loving. But you know, I think one of the biggest things is that nurses see um, tragedy quite, quite a lot, uh, and uh, and trauma, and heartbreak, and real problems. Uh, the, those real problems in life, not those that you know, we all sweat the small stuff. Let's let's get real, and then we think, oh my gosh, why did I sweat that small stuff? That's like the stupidest thing ever. Um, but you know, we're, we're dealing with codes, so when people patients are crashing, we're dealing with death, we are dealing with, um, you know, tragedy, messes, infection, um, short staffing, we're dealing with a lot of problems and we can get over them. I mean, I myself tonight dealt with a little problem here with my computer <laughs> that had been fixed this week and crashed again. I'm still smiling. I, we're resourceful able to actually well you did you did assist me man uh, let's give credit where credit is due. Oh, minorly that's well um but i also just realized hey just plug the computer and, i mean the mouse and the keyboard in and i'm set to go we're back in business here so nurses are true partners in relationships because they also keep everything moving forward in both of of uh the couple's lives a lot of nurses are managers so it, we have to prioritize what's the most important. We have to organize. We have to deliver care at certain times, the right patient, the right dose, the right drug at the right time. There's so many things. Um, and so, you know, it, it's a pretty high cum or a high, um, you know, it's very competitive to get into UBC nursing school uh, now today. So typically nurses uh, are smart. Uh, except perhaps this nurse, <laughs> not this, not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Um, but they keep their eye on the big picture of life, and also are very detail oriented because they have to. Because especially if you're working in a critical care area, um, you know, or uh, working in the operating room, things have to, you know, be on a be be very efficient and on on the clock and you want to deliver care that is safe and hygienic and there's so much that comes into play here um, dealing with the fentanyl crisis so many nurses are on the front line dealing with that um, but nurses in relationship push everyone they love to be the best they can be and they deal often with patients who quit and they want to ensure that their loved ones have a better chance than that they want so they are they're fixers who love and support their partners while challenging them to improve and pick up the slack when they need help and that's you know very typical I hear that a lot from nurses some of the nurses who are, are, are clients of mine um, and they're talking about their relationship they are the ones that you know uh, they, they just never give up they keep on going because you know you keep on going to the end when you are in the emergency room or you're in the intensive care unit you're in the operating room um you know and i i, I had a time when i was called by a the supervisor and i was actually running the 
the hospital at that time, one of the community hospitals, and they wanted to know why I wasn't in Emerge. And at the time, I was in the OR with a patient who was dying, with a crying surgeon who had nicked a vessel in the patient. And, you know, it was, and there was just blood everywhere. And it was just an absolute nightmare. And, you know, you've got to remain calm and cool in those situations. And, but you know what? Because we deal with those kinds of situations, we also have a sense of humor that might um, be just a little bit more. Um, oh, I know nurses' sense of humor very well. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So nurses are fun because they are intimately familiar with the gravity of these situations in the hospital. And so they know how to celebrate life and celebrate the good things when it's happening. So may I suggest look for a nurse, marry a nurse. That's my advice uh, for you this evening. I am Maureen McGrath and you are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. I always appreciate that. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. I am a registered nurse in the field of sexual health. I get a lot of emails from patients. I mean, from people. They're not necessarily patients. Well, some, then they become patients, <laughs> clients. But I get a lot of emails from people, quite frankly. And uh, uh, so I thought I would share this one with you because it relates to the, one of the subjects that we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, and so it's a, it's a fairly uh, long email, so do bear with me. Hello, Ms. McGrath. Saw your TED Talk on sexless marriages after seeing a related closed group Facebook post yesterday on a similar topic. Didn't realize this was a thing that couples experience so often. My last relationship ended in part because my guy couldn't keep things hard long enough while we tried to figure out logistics on how we could fit together. He is obese, 5'8", 260 pounds, average penis size, type 2 diabetes, and a host of related medical issues. He likes weed and porn too. I'm 5'7", and a bit sturdy at a strong 180, and generally have had a lackluster sex life, low O, and was going through breast cancer treatment, but otherwise healthy. Neither of us have hidden sexual orientation issues. Of course, he wouldn't talk about it. He did say he lacked morning wood for a long time, but did have it once or twice while with me. I've heard he has since moved on and manages to have sex in that relationship, though it may be more face-saving rumor than true, or it could be true. He now lives in China. Who knows for sure? He did talk with other friends about his issues and not me. So clearly more was wrong than just physical mechanics. Anyway, my question is, what kind of professional could we have talked to in order to get help with these issues? A sex therapist, a sexologist, a urologist, a male yoga teacher, any other. And how do you find professionals like this? So I thought uh, this is a, this is a, perfect client for me. (laughs) This is the type of client that comes to see me in my clinical practice. And in part because I deal with the medical and I work closely with the physicians. And so typically physicians will refer patients to see me because these issues take a long time to work through. So I really appreciated Mary's honest and open account of her situation, and that's certainly a first step. And although her relationship has ended, she may want to get into another relationship, and you want to actually process and figure out what happened in your primary relationship or your first relationship before you bring that same baggage to 
the next relationship. So all of which Mary mentioned were contributing factors to a sexless marriage. And there may have been some psychological issues as well, but I would venture to guess, and having never seen them, that if all of the physical issues, mainly the weight and the pot and not the porn, unless it was excessive, if, if those were resolved or at least improved, there may have been some hope in, for this relationship. Men are extremely embarrassed when they suffer erectile dysfunction. And believe me, they suffer when they have erectile dysfunction. This is their manhood. As I was not exactly sure what she meant by low O, but I'm going to assume that she had difficulty experiencing orgasm which a lot of women do. And and in large part, it's because of lack of education. So education may have helped in that regard. Weight could also be a contributing factor. And I'm not sure she never mentioned whether she had body image issues or not. But a lot of women do experience body image issues. Um, I don't know how old these patients are. So that's also um, part of it. I don't know how advanced his diabetes is. um, So that's also a part of it. Is she in perimenopausal, menopausal? um, And are there other unresolved issues in the relationship? So the bottom line is if a person doesn't want to help themselves, there's no help. (laughs) That's a bit that is just integral to this to success of issues in a relationship. And, you know, relationships don't have to end. They can actually just get better. And that's really my goal when somebody comes to see me is that they they have a little self-reflection, understand um, that it can be better, but it's going to take some work and some sacrifice and time. And, and time takes time. So I also would doubt that this gentleman that she was married to or in a relationship with was having sex with somebody new uh, because he had some physical issues there, some serious physical issues. And of course, unless he dropped a hundred pounds, stopped smoking pot and eliminated all the sugar from his diet and limited his porn if it was an excessive use of porn. So a good place for this couple to begin would have been their doctor. uh, But many doctors, and they've spoken to me about this, are uncomfortable with sexual health issues. So sometimes a specialist is a little bit better of a choice to go. Um, Some doctors will just prescribe PD-5 inhibitors and not get to the root of the problem. And that's not certainly going to help the the weight. Um, Also, your doctor is able to refer you to the right healthcare professional. A urologist may help with the erectile dysfunction issues, but typically only if they have treated a man for another condition such as prostate cancer. So you typically don't go to a urologist anyway in British Columbia or Canada. You typically don't go to the urologist to get your prescription for Viagra, Cialis, Levitra, Staxin, because uh, a GP can handle that, a general practitioner or your family doctor. A sex therapist may have been good, but the focus would likely have been on the relationship issues exclusively again, leaving the obvious health conditions out. So yoga certainly helps a lot of people with anxiety and flexibility. So you might perform better in the bedroom. Uh, You might even lose a tiny little bit of weight with that, or, or it may inspire you to get in shape or to eat better, and it may improve your mood. But a male yoga teacher will never have the capacity to treat some of the issues, the diabetes, the erectile dysfunction, the porn use as well. These are medical conditions that may be indicative, and they certainly are, he had diabetes, of an underlying health issue such as cardiovascular health, hypertension, diabetes. Erectile dysfunction is the barometer of physical, emotional, relational, and sexual health for a man. It is vital. So 
as a registered nurse in sexual health, I deal with the physical health and the relationship issues as well, and oftentimes anxiety or, or anger in a relationship or advising on substance use and abuse. I see so many men with erectile dysfunction and weight issues, and I actually treat them conservatively without medication because oftentimes men get side effects from the medication, like they may get headaches from Viagra, Levitra, Cialis, or Staxin, those PDE5 inhibitors that... Um, uh, help with erectile dysfunction are very safe medications, but they have some serious side effects that people don't like to tolerate or have a hard time tolerating, such as headache, nasal congestion, facial flushing, increased heart rate, and so they can make them uncomfortable. But, you know, in order to get help for your erectile dysfunction and improve your relationship, you got to be all in. And so oftentimes some of the relationship issues are eased once a person is deshrouded of the guilt, the embarrassment, and the shame that envelops sexuality. So many uh, physicians refer their patients to me because they know of my services in the Vancouver area. So as a registered nurse and somebody with a research background and a clinical experience in sexual health, this is the type of patients that I see. I had a patient on... um, on uh, uh, Skype, I, I see a lot of patients through Skype consults r- around the world. And I had a uh, fellow from the U.S. and he was a lawyer. And he was, you know, he said he probably had. He had, first he didn't tell me the whole truth of of, um, of his problem. He told me that his wife didn't want to have sex with him, so he wasn't having enough sex in his marriage. Um, okay, but so I said to him immediately, without even realizing, but maybe I, on some level, assumed he had a little bit of erectile dysfunction. Um, But I said to him, you got to get into yourself. You've got to actually be the best you can be. And he said, so he said, yeah, I could probably lose about 10 pounds. And so when I did my little equation, my mathematical equation for him, I think I suggested he lose about 38 pounds, which he was surprised at. He was a big guy. He was, his, uh, he was around six feet tall or even maybe 6'2", and he was well over 200 pounds. And so he's too heavy, number one. He didn't exercise at all, led a sedentary lifestyle. One thing that he said that I thought was absolutely hilarious was he said, on, <laughs> so I gave him this uh, – food plan to follow. I don't like to use the word diet. It's, it's, a, it's a change of ways. So I gave him this food plan. It's a clean diet, no sugar. It's plant-based. It's low glycemic index. And so then he said, but every Sunday night we have Chinese food. And I said, you can't have the Chinese food anymore. That's it. You've got to tell your family that you're not going to have Chinese food. And he said, you know, that's, that's his culture, basically. He was Jewish, and every Sunday night they ordered Chinese food. And I said, well, those days are over. So about five or six weeks went by, and for the, uh, the follow-up visit, uh, he, he asked to actually speak to me. And so when I looked at him <laughs> on Skype, I thought, this guy hasn't really lost any weight. I can see that. You, you know, you'd be able to significantly, you know, see a significant weight loss. And I, but maybe his face is, was a little bit thinner. And I didn't want him, you know, to lose all hope. So I said, well, your face looks a little bit thinner, but, you know, how's the weight loss? And, you know, how are you doing with the food plan? And he said, well, you know, he lost about 10 pounds, which probably means he lost five. And, um, and so I said, you know, he, he'd been at his son's wedding and he'd, he'd been drinking and, you know, at the wedding and eating all the food. And it was in another country and, and he was, you know, just all in to that. And he hadn't really lost any weight. And then he told me that, you know, during his, during the wedding night of 
of the the son, I guess, his wife made a sexual advance to him, which is a big problem for guys because the wives never make sexual advances. I hear that all the time. But anyway, she did. But he couldn't get an erection. So I'm like, oh, so do you have erection problems? And he's like, well, yeah, I do. Had never told me. Never told me that. So I said, you know, to be honest with you, it's it's a turnoff for women. They don't actually want to have sex with a guy who has erectile dysfunction. It's not the most appealing. So this guy got really discouraged um, because, but he hadn't been all in. And I said, you know, I, I told him, you've got to be serious about this. You've got to follow what exactly as I say, um, or nothing's, you know, it's not my fault, <laughs> basically. You, you have to be all in, is what I said to him. You've got to follow this diet, this food plan. You've got to follow the exercise that I have laid out for you. You have to be very serious about it. I said, look, your wife has made an advance to you, and you've barely made any changes, although she did notice that he had been eating, that he had been eating better. So the thing is, if you want to uh, get help, get the help that you need, you've got to be all in. So... That's one part about the erectile dysfunction or even coming into my clinical practice with a partner. Um, we are not judges and therapy is not a courtroom. And also there are things that, you know, people come in and they're angry and they're upset and we're not going to tell you, oh, you need to break up. This is not repairable. That's not the case. But uh, I'm going to tell you some more of the things that I actually, um, how I deal with some of the clients in my clinical practice when I return. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath here hosting this program for you. What do you think is the most shameful thing that millennials are doing to their spouses? And one reason... People come to see me in my clinical practice. Any idea yet, Matt? No, I'm still struggling <laughs> to think about it. <laughs> Matt, you haven't been in a relationship long enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, it has to do with money. Okay. Finances are the number one most contentious issue in a marriage today. Second. Uh, yeah, it's it's above sex. Finances are more problematic than sex even. And sex is a problem. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't have this little sex show, would we? So sex is a problem for a lot of people. But funny enough, people come in to my clinical practice with their financial problems. And so the way millennials are handling money can be problematic, according to the experts. And according to a survey of roughly 2,700 adults that was done this week or released this week by Northwestern Mutual. So here it is, Matt, nearly one in four. So 23% of millennials say they have hidden purchases from their spouse or their partner. Meanwhile, just 17% of Generation Xers and only 8% of boomers say they have done that. So that's pretty significant. Yeah, well, I was going to say um, one of my my friend's parents, when they were younger, got divorced because his dad was withholding money from her. And that was, that was big gossip when we were younger. I can imagine. Um, but this is that they're buying 10 pairs of shoes. They're hiding them under the bed. They are, you know, purchasing kind of, you know, clothing and those types of things. Those, oh, I should be fine purchase. then because I haven't bought myself new clothes in years. Matt. I mean, the last time I got new clothes, I went to Costco with mom. <laughs> How many times? <laughs> You'd never know he was 47 years old. How, <laughs> how many times do I tell you this is not about you? But what it is, it comes down to the guilt and shame 
uh, in, uh, for millennials in terms of how they spend their money. So they are, they are typically, and this doesn't surprise me, they are prone to excessive or frivolous spending compared to 26% of Generation Xers and 19% of boomers. And 31% of millennials have spent money budgeted for other things on themselves instead compared to just 15% of Gen Xers and, 40, and 4% sorry, of baby boomers. So that says that there's, there's something underneath that. Uh, and it may, in fact, be stress or anxiety. They worry about everything from savings, the amount or lack thereof. I mean, this group is buying Starbucks every single day, which is a fairly expensive proposition when you think about it. And they may be doing it four times a day if they're stressed and they're needing coffee. So, um, But they're also stressed about lo- losing their jobs or not earning enough And they feel that their anxiety is bleeding into other aspects of their lives. More than four in 10 say financial anxiety causes them to miss social events and opportunities. And I can see that. Uh, Anxiety can be paralyzing for many people. And also this financial anxiety, 28% of them, nearly a third, say that financial anxiety impacts their job performance at least monthly and sometimes as much as daily. So with anxiety and stress levels elevated, people are looking for ways to have less stress and greater happiness. And they think that this shopping therapy will bring that joy. And this is the last thing that will bring joy. You never find joy outside of yourself. That joy comes from within. And, you know, the purchase of a boat or the purchase of a new car or a new house, I mean, you might be happy about it. And particularly if you've saved for it and you've got the cash, that's even, you're even happier. But it's never going to give you a sustained sense of joy. And people, what they tend to do, especially if they get into the shopping therapy, they start to shop more because they they buy more in an effort to feel happier. And so in doing so, especially they do it alone and secretively and they feel that their partner will not agree with them. So they're feeling like they're not behaving well. And that just adds more anxiety to the relationship. And then, of course, once the partner realizes that the bank balance has decreased and there's no money for the mortgage payment, there's a problem. Um, But this can certainly harm a relationship. If you repeatedly hide purchases in your marriage, it can definitely harm the relationship because it scratches the surface of the foundation of trust. And trust is the most important aspect of a relationship. And so if you continue to scratch at that, you're going to have a deep hole, eventually an infection as well. Here comes the nurse in me. And eventually you have such a wound that it cannot be um, repaired. It cannot be healed. And it also reveals things about the state of your relationship. So You know, I see many patients who come in and finances are such a big problem and they are living the life and they are living well beyond their means. That's just such a common occurrence today. And so they want me or or other therapists, other healthcare practitioners to heal them, to fix them. Most common most commonly, patients come to see me or couples come to see me because they have these communication problems. And you know what? That is just an umbrella term for so many issues um, because communication problems mean something different for everyone. And so it's not a therapist's job to change a partner. It's not a therapist's job um, to place the blame uh, on one partner. And typically there's not one 
problem person in the couple. It's how both people are together. It's like mixing oil and water. And, you know, they're great on their own, but hard to mix them together. Um, And sometimes, you know, something like bleach and ammonia works incredibly well individually, but it is caustic when they are mixed together and it can be toxic and dangerous. And so a lot of relationships are toxic and dangerous, especially when there is abuse there as well. One thing, I mean, I see patients who are in relationships, they stay together for the kids, they stay together for the finances, they've fallen out of love, but they actually still love the person that they're with. Um, So you really need to go in, you need to be all in. That's what I say to patients, you've got to be all in and you've got to be willing to take a look in the mirror at yourself. What is it that you do that contributes to the problems in your relationship? And don't wait until your relationship is ready to implode to go and get therapy. Therapy is a gift you give to yourself. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.